Section 12 of the Second Jungle Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Second Jungle Book by Rudyard Kipling. Section 12. The Undertakers. Part 2. The adjutant had done his very best to describe his feelings after swallowing a seven-pound lump of Wenham Lake ice off an American ice-ship, in the days before Calcutta made her ice by machinery. But as he did not know what ice was, and as the mugger and the jackal knew rather less, the tale missed fire. Anything, said the mugger, shutting his left eye again, anything is possible that comes out of a boat thrice the size of mugger gout. My village is not a small one. There was a whistle overhead on the bridge, and the Delhi mail slid across, all the carriages gleaming with light, and the shadows faithfully following along the river. It clanked away into the dark again, but the mugger and jackal were so well used to it that they never turned their heads. "'Is that anything less wonderful than a boat thrice the size of mugger gout?' said the bird, looking up. "'I saw that built, child. Stone by stone I saw the bridge-piers rise, and when the men fell off, they were wondrous sure-footed for the most part.' but when they fell, I was ready. After the first pier was made, they never thought to look down the stream for the body to burn. There again I saved much trouble. There was nothing strange in the building of the bridge, said the mugger. But that which goes across pulling the roofed carts, that is strange, the adjutant repeated. It is past any doubt a new breed of bullock. Some day it will not be able to keep its foothold up yonder, and will fall as the men did. The old mugger will then be ready. The jackal looked at the adjutant, and the adjutant looked at the jackal. If there was one thing they were more certain of than another, it was that the engine was everything in the wild world except a bullock. The jackal had watched it time and time again from the yellow hedges by the side of the line, and the adjutant had seen engines since the first locomotive ran in India. But the mugger had only looked up at the thing from below, where the brass dome seemed rather like a bullock's hump. Um, yes, a new kind of bullock, the mugger repeated ponderously, to make himself quite sure in his own mind. And, certainly it is a bullock, said the jackal. And again it might be, began the mugger pettishly. Certainly, most certainly, said the jackal, without waiting for the other to finish. What, said the mugger angrily, for he could feel that the others knew more than he did. What might it be? I never finished my words. You said it was a bullock. "'It is anything that the protector of the poor pleases. "'I am his servant, not the servant of the thing that crosses the river.' "'Whatever it is, it is white-face work,' said the adjutant, "'and for my part I would not lie out on a place so near to it as this bar.' "'You do not know the English as I do,' said the mugger. "'There was a white-face here when the bridge was built, "'and he would take a boat in the evenings "'and shuffle with his feet on the bottom-boards and whisper, "'Is he here? Is he there? Bring me my gun.' I could hear him before I could see him, each sound he made, creaking and puffing and rattling his gun up and down the river. As surely as I had picked one of his workmen, and thus saved great expense in wood for the burning, so surely would he come down to the gout, and shout in a loud voice that he would hunt me and rid the river of me. The mugger of mugger gout. Me? Children, I have swum under the bottom of his boat for hour after hour, and heard him fire his gun at logs, 
and when I was well sure he was wearied, I have risen by his side, and snapped my jaws in his face. When the bridge was finished, he went away. All the English hunt in that fashion, except when they are hunted. Who hunts the white faces? yept the jackal excitedly. No one now, but I have hunted them in my time. I remember a little of that hunting. I was young then, said the adjutant, clattering his beak significantly. I was well established here. My village was being builded for the third time, as I remember, when my cousin, the Gavville, brought me word of rich waters above Benares. At first I would not go, for my cousin, who was a fish-eater, does not always know the good from the bad. But I heard my people talking in the evening, and what they said made me certain. And what did they say? the jackal asked. They said enough to make me, the mugger of Muggergout, leave water and take to my feet. I went by night, using the littlest streams as they served me, but it was the beginning of the hot weather and all the streams were low. I crossed dusty roads, I went through tall grass, I climbed hills in the moonlight. Even rocks did I climb, children. Consider this well. I crossed the tail of Sir Hind, the waterless, before I could find the set of the little rivers that flow Gungawood. I was a month's journey from my own people and the river that I knew. That was very marvellous. What food on the way, said the jackal, who kept his soul in his little stomach, and was not a bit impressed by the mugger's land travels. That which I could find, cousin, said the mugger slowly, dragging each word. Now, you do not call a man cousin in India, unless you think you can establish some sort of blood relationship. And as it is only in old fairy tales that the mugger ever marries a jackal, the jackal knew for what reason he had been suddenly lifted into the mugger's family circle. If they had been alone, he would not have cared, but the adjutant's eyes were twinkled with mirth at the ugly jest. Assuredly, father, I might have known, said the jackal. A mugger does not care to be called a father of jackals, and the mugger of mugger gouts said as much, and a great deal more, which there is no use in repeating here. The protector of the poor has claimed kinship. How can I remember the precise degree? Moreover, we eat the same food. He has said it, was the jackal's reply. That made matters rather worse. For what the jackal hinted at, that the mugger must have eaten his food on that land march, fresh and fresh every day, instead of keeping it by him till it was in a fit and proper condition, as every self-respecting mugger and most wild beasts do when they can. Indeed, one of the worst terms of contempt along the river-bed is eater of fresh meat. It is nearly as bad as calling a man a cannibal. That food was eaten thirty seasons ago, said the adjutant quietly. If we talk for thirty seasons more, it will never come back. Tell us now what happened when the good waters were reached after thy most wonderful land journey. If we listened to the howling of every jackal, the business of the town would stop, as the saying is. The mugger must have been grateful for the interruption, because he went on with a rush. By the right and left of Gunga, when I came there, never did I see such waters. Were they better then than the big flood of last season, said the jackal? Better? That flood was no more than comes every five years. A handful of drowned strangers, some chickens, and a dead bullock in muddy water with cross currents. But the season I think of, the river was low, smooth, and even. And as the Gaviel had warmed me, the dead English came down, touching each other. 
I got my girth in that season, my girth and my depth. From Agra by Etowa and the broad widows by Allahabad. Oh, the eddy that set under the walls of the falls at Allahabad, said the adjutant. They came in there like widgeon to the reeds, and round and round they swung thus. He went off into his horrible dance again, while the jackal looked on enviously. He naturally could not remember the terrible year of the mutiny they were talking about. The mugger continued, Yes, by Allahabad, one lay still in the slack water, and let twenty go by to pick one. And above all, the English were not cumbered with jewellery and nose-rings and anklets, as my women are nowadays. To delight in ornaments is to end with a rope for a necklace, as the saying is. All the muggers of all the rivers grew fat then, but it was my fate to be fatter than them all. The news was that the English were being hunted into the rivers, and, by the right and left of Gunga, we believed it was true. So far as I went south I believed it to be true, and I went downstream, beyond Mongir, and the tombs that look over the river. I know that place, said the adjutant. Since those days Mongir is a lost city. Very few people live there now. Thereafter I worked upstream very slowly and lazily, and a little above Mongir there came down a boat full of white faces, alive. They were, as I remember, women, lying under a cloth spread over sticks, and crying aloud. There was never a gun fired at us, the watchers of the fords, in those days. All the guns were busy elsewhere. We could hear them day and night inland, coming and going as the wind shifted. I rose up full before the boat, because I had never seen white faces alive, although I knew them well otherwise. A naked white child kneeled by the side of the boat, and stooping over must needs try to trail his hands in the river. It is a pretty thing to see how a child loves running water. I had fed that day, but there was yet a little unfilled space within me. Still, it was for sport and not for food that I rose at the child's hand. That was so clear a mark that I did not even look where I closed. But they were so small that though my jaws rang true, I'm sure of that, the child drew them up swiftly, unhurt. They must have passed between tooth and tooth, those small white hands. I should have caught him crosswise at the elbows, but as I said, it was only for sport, and a desire to see new things that I rose at all. They cried out one after another in the boat, and presently I rose again to watch them. The boat was too heavy to push over. They were only women, but he who trusts a woman will walk on duckweed in a pool, as the saying is, and by the right and left of Gunga that is truth. Once a woman gave me some dried skin from a fish, said the jackal. I had hoped to get her baby, but horse food is better than the kick of a horse, as the saying is. What did thy woman do? She fired at me with a short gun of a kind I have never seen before or since, five times, one after another. The mugger must have met with an old-fashioned revolver. And I stayed open-mouthed and gaping, my head in the smoke. Never did I see such a thing, five times as swiftly as I waved my tail thus. The jackal, who had been growing more and more interested in the story, had just time to leap back as the huge tail swung by like a scythe. Not before the fifth shot, said the mugger, as though he had never dreamed of stunning one of his listeners. 
Not before the fifth shot did I sink, and I rose in time to hear the boatman telling all those white women that I was most certainly dead. One bullet had gone under a neck-plate of mine. I know not if it is still there, for the reason I cannot turn my head. Look and see, child, it will show that my tale is true. I, said the jackal, shall an eater of old shoes, a bone-cracker, presume to doubt the word of the envy of the river? May my tail be bitten off by blind puppies if the shadow of such a thought has crossed my humble mind. The protector of the poor has condescended to inform me, his slave, that once in his life he has been wounded by a woman. That is sufficient, and I will tell the tale to all my children, asking for no proof. Overmuch civility is sometimes no better than overmuch discourtesy, for, as the saying is, one can choke a guest with curds. I do not desire that any children of thine should know that the mugger of Muggergal took his only wound from a woman. They will have much else to think of if they get their meat as miserably as does their father. It has forgotten long ago it was never said. There was never a white woman. There was no boat. Nothing whatever happened at all. The jackal waved his brush to show how completely everything was wiped out of his memory and sat down with an air. Indeed, very many things happened, said the mugger, beaten in his second attempt that night to get the better of his friend. Neither bore malice, however. Eat and be eaten was fair law along the river, and the jackal came in for his share of plunder when the mugger had finished a meal. I left that boat and went upstream, and when I had reached the Ara and the backwaters behind it, there were no more dead English. The river was empty for a while, then came one or two dead in red coats, not English, but of one kind all, Hindus and Perbias. Then five and six abreast, and at last, from Arrow to the north beyond Agra, it was as though whole villages had walked into the water. They came out of little creeks, one after another, as the logs come down in the rains. When the river rose, they rose also in companies from the shoals they had rested upon, and the falling flood dragged them with it, across the fields and through the jungle by the long hair. All night, too, going north, I heard the guns, and by day the shod feet of men crossing fords, and that noise which a heavy cartwheel makes on sand under water, and every ripple brought more dead. At last even I was afraid. For I said, if this thing happens to men, how shall the mugger of mugger gout escape? There were boats, too, that came up behind me without sails, burning continually, as the cotton boats sometimes burn, but never sinking. Ah, said the adjutant, boats like that come to Calcutta of the south. They are all tall and black. They beat up the water behind them with a tail, and they are thrice as big as my village. My boats were low and white. They beat up the water on either side of them, and were no larger than the boats of one who speaks truth should be. They made me very afraid, and I left water and went back to this my river, hiding by day and walking by night, when I could not find little streams to help me. I came to my village again, but I did not hope to see any of my people there. Yet they were ploughing and sowing and reaping, and going to and fro in their fields, as quietly as their own cattle. "'Was there still good food in the river?' said the jackal. "'More than I had any desire for. "'Even I, and I do not eat mud, even I was tired. "'And as I remember, a little frightened "'of this constant coming down of the silent ones. 
I heard my people say in my village that all the English were dead, but those that came face down with the current were not English, as my people saw. Then my people said that it was best to say nothing at all, but to pay the tax and plough the land. After a long time the river cleared, and those that came down it had been clearly drowned by the floods, as I could well see. And though it was not as easy then to get food, I was heartily glad of it. A little killing here and there is no bad thing, but even the mugger is sometimes satisfied, as the saying is. Marvellous, most truly marvellous, said the jackal. I am become fat through merely hearing about so much good eating. And afterward, what, if it is be permitted to ask, did the protector of the poor do? I said to myself, and by the right and left the Ganga, I locked my jaws on that fowl. I said I would never go roving any more. So I lived by the gout, very close to my own people, and I watched over them year after year, and they loved me so much that they threw marigold wreaths at my head whenever they saw it lift. Yes, and my fate has been very kind to me, and the river is good enough to respect my poor and infirm presence, only no one is all happy from his beak to his tail, said the adjutant sympathetically. What does the mugger of mugger gout need more? "'That little white child which I did not get,' said the mugger, with a deep sigh. "'He was very small, but I have not forgotten. "'I am old now, but before I die it is my desire to try one new thing. "'It is true they are heavy-footed, noisy, and foolish people, "'and the sport would be small. "'But I remember the old days above Benares, "'and if the child lives he will remember still. "'It may be that he goes up and down the bank of some river.' "'telling how he once passed his hands "'between the teeth of the mugger of Magagout "'and lived to make a tale of it. "'My fate has been very kind, "'but that plagues me sometimes in my dreams. "'The thought of the little white child "'in the bows of that boat. "'He yawned and closed his jaws. "'And now I will rest and think. "'Keep silent, my children, and respect the aged.' "'He turned stiffly and shuffled to the top of the sandbar, while the jackal drew back with the adjutant to the shelter of a tree stranded on the end nearest the railway bridge. That was a pleasant and profitable life, he grinned, looking up inquiringly at the bird who towered above him. And not once, mark you, did he think fit to tell me where a morsel might have been left along the banks. Yet I have told him a hundred times of good things wallowing downstream. How true is the saying, all the world forgets the jackal and the barber when the news has been told. Now he is going to sleep. Ah! How can a jackal hunt with a mugger? said the adjutant coolly. Big thief and little thief. It is easy to say who gets the pickings. The jackal turned, whining impatiently, and was going to curl himself up under the tree trunk, when suddenly he cowered and looked through the draggled branches at the bridge almost above his head. What now? said the adjutant, opening his wings uneasily. "'Wait till we see. The wind blows from us to them, but they are not looking for us, those two men.' "'Men, is it? My office protects me. All India knows I am holy. "'The adjutant, being a first-class scavenger, is allowed to go where he pleases, and so this one never flinched.' "'I am not worth a blow from anything better than an old shoe,' said the jackal, and listened again. "'Hark to that footfall,' he went on. "'That was no country leather.' but the shod foot of a white face. Listen again. Iron hits iron up there. 
It is a gun. Friend, those heavy-footed foolish English are coming to speak with the mugger. Warn him, then. He was called protector of the poor by someone not unlike a starving jackal but a little time ago. Let my cousin protect his own hide. He has told me again and again there is nothing to fear from the white faces. They must be white faces. Not a villager of Muggergout would dare to come after him. See, I said it was a gun. Now, with good luck, we shall feed before daylight. He cannot hear well out of water, and this time it is not a woman. A shiny barrel glittered for a minute in the moonlight on the girders. The mugger was lying on the sandbar as still as his own shadow, his forefeet spread out a little, his head dropped between them, snoring like a mugger. A voice on the bridge whispered, It's an odd shot, straight down almost, but as safe as houses. Better try behind the neck. Golly, what a brute! The villagers will be wild if he's shot, though. He's the deota, godling, of these parts. Don't care a rap, another voice answered. He took about fifteen of my best coolies while the bridge was building, and it's time he was put a stop to. I've been after him in a boat for weeks. Stand by with the martini as soon as I've given him both barrels of this. Mind the kick, then. A double four-bore's no joke. That's for him to decide. Here goes. There was a roar like the sound of a small cannon. The biggest sort of elephant rifle is not very different from some artillery. And a double streak of flame, followed by the stinging crack of a martini, whose long bullet makes nothing of a crocodile's plates. But the explosive bullets did the work. One of them struck just behind the mugger's neck, a hand's breadth to the left of the backbone, while the other burst a little lower down at the beginning of the tail. In ninety-nine cases out of a hundred, a mortally wounded crocodile can scramble to deep water and get away. But the mugger of Mugger Gout was literally broken into three pieces. He hardly moved his head before the life went out of him, and he lay as flat as the jackal. "'Thunder and lightning! Thunder and lightning!' said the miserable little beast. "'Has the thing that pulls the covered carts over the bridge tumbled at last?' "'It is no more than a gun,' said the adjutant, though his very tail-feathers quivered. "'Nothing more than a gun. He is certainly dead. Here come the white faces.' The two Englishmen had hurried down from the bridge and across to the sandbar, where they stood admiring the length of the mugger. Then a native with an axe cut off the big head, and four men dragged it across the spit. "'The last time that I had my hand in a mugger's mouth,' said one of the Englishmen, stooping down. He was the man who had built the bridge. "'It was when I was about five years old, coming down the river by boat to Mongir. I was a mutiny baby, as they call it. Poor mother was in the boat too, and she often told me how she fired Dad's old pistol at the beast's head.' "'Well, you've certainly had your revenge on the chief of the clan, "'even if the gun has made your nose bleed. "'Hi, you boatman, haul that head above the bank, "'and we'll boil it for the skull. "'The skin's too knocked about to keep. "'Come along to bed now. "'That was worth sitting up all night for, wasn't it?' "'Curiously enough, the jackal and the adjutant "'made the very same remark not three minutes after the man had left. End of section 12